Thank you, Brother Bachman. Thank you, Jordan. What a wonderful blessing that was. Uh, take your Bible and go back and look at it. Malachi chapter 1, verse 7. The Bible says, He offer polluted bread upon mine altar. Uh, and uh, ye say, Wherein have we polluted thee? And that ye say, watch this, the table of the Lord is contemptible. Now look down, if you will, in verse 8. The Bible says, And if ye offer the blind uh, for sacrifice, is that not evil? Or if ye offer, it says, the lame and sick, is that not evil? Offer it now unto, the go unto thy governor. Uh, will he be pleased with thee, or accept thy person, saith the Lord of hosts? And now I pray, look at verse 9, And now I pray you, uh, beseech God that he will be gracious unto us, that hath been, it says, by your means, will he regard your persons, saith the Lord of hosts? Now, here is the children, if you would please, of God, and they're coming, and they're giving God second best. And here's what God says. God says, now, wait a minute. If you were even to do this to the governor, would the governor accept so? Uh, and by the way, God is higher than the governor. And so he's giving us, if you would please, Bible principles to obey to help us to understand we ought never to give God second best. God deserves our very best. Now, I like to preach this morning on the blessing of giving. The blessing of giving. You'll notice here in our scriptures that uh, the Lord is coming back and he is uh, talking with them. He is uh, helping them to understand that no one ought to give God second best. Uh, watch this, if you will. I'll give you some statements. Statement number one. Uh, we give honor. Now watch it now. We give honor and glorify God. We give honor and glorify God. When we give God our best, we give him honor and we glorify him. Malachi chapter 1, verses 6 through 8 that I read just a moment ago, you'll see this, that uh, he does deserve our very best. Matter of fact, he just does not deserve our very best. He demands our very best. You'll see here, uh, he says in verse 6, uh, he says that despise thy name. So does your offering, does your offering, uh, does it show that you despise God? When you give your tithes, if you do not give your tithes according to scriptural principles of giving, is that not despising the Lord? In verse 7, the Bible uses the word polluted. So here's a question. Uh, if we're not doing our part in giving tithes and offerings, are we polluting? Are we corrupting? Uh, here's a question. In verse 8, the Bible mentions the word evil. Now understand, these people are giving, and God's coming back at the way they're giving. And he's saying, now wait a minute, would you even uh, go so low to do this to a governor and would the governor not himself uh, not receive you as a person because of that which is the way that you're giving you know uh, think about this if you will before buying something uh, there's some principles for buying before buying maybe take these steps pray pray uh, especially before buying a house pray all right and sometimes it's good to just wait it's good to wait. Now, I know that uh, all of those real estate agents that we have in our church right now, I think, uh, I don't know, six or seven or eight or nine are saying, don't say that. Don't say wait. Okay? But sometimes it is best just to wait. Here's a good question, and that is this. Uh, is this a need? Is it a need when you're getting ready to buy, especially a house? Is it a need or is it a want? Uh, okay, uh, is the purchase necessary right now? By the way, you could uh, use that principle right there in buying a car. 
You could use that principle right there in buying clothing. You could use that principle right there, don't get mad at me, in buying food. In buying food. You could use that principle in buying a vacation trip. Is it necessary right now? Uh, here's a question for you. Will you be glad that you bought it three months from now? Will you be glad that you bought it six months from now? Boy, it's quiet in the church house right now. Will you be glad that you bought it a year from now? Uh, if you buy it, would you be glad that you did that? Uh, here's one. Uh, can, can you comfortably keep that word underscored in your head comfortably? Can you comfortably afford the notes? Or is it going to put you under extra strain every single month? Your wife that's never worked before, now does she have to go to work to afford the notes? Can you comfortably afford the notes? Uh, can you pay all the bills that you incur with your new purchase? Uh, here's one. Uh, uh, get some wise counsel. Get some, some of these are questions. Some of these are statements. Get some wise counsel before you get emotionally involved. When you get emotionally involved in something, you wind up making the wrong decision. Make sure you get wise counsel before you get emotionally involved with anything. You ever walk by the car and the car smells good? And all of a sudden, you know, here comes, isn't it amazing, isn't it amazing, isn't it amazing, when you go into a car lot, here comes this fella, here comes this gal out, and they run to you, and they say, I'm not here to put you under pressure. But they just did by showing up. And so they'll run to you, and they'll say, now, I'm not here to put you under pressure, I'm just here to answer any questions that you have. And then they stand there. Even if you say, I don't have any questions, they still follow you around like a puppy dog. Now, may I say this, get some wise counsel before you get emotionally involved in making a purchase. Statement number next, uh, is there a cheaper way to get this? Is there a cheaper way to get this? I know people that are wise shoppers, here's what they do, before they purchase an item, I've seen, I've seen even my sons do this in the store, before they purchase an item, they'll Google it and they'll find out if they can get it cheaper in another store or buy it online cheaper. And they have this, they have this app where they'll take and it, it, do a price check on it and it'll show all the places that they can buy it and they can buy it cheaper. You say, what is that? That's being a good steward. That's being wise. By the way, you don't have to buy something brand new in order to enjoy something that's practically new. You don't have to buy a brand new car to enjoy a car that's practically new that maybe somebody is selling online. Maybe you can find it at a used car lot. Maybe you can find it as a part of an estate somewhere. Okay, so, so here's a thought, okay? Is it cheaper uh, to be able to do this another way, to purchase it another way? By the way, uh, can I help you out a little bit? Never pay premium price if you can talk them down to a base price. Never pay premium price if you can talk them down to a base price. In other words, if you're getting ready to buy something, don't, buy it up, don't, don't fall in love with it. And say, oh, I've got to have it. One of the tragic mistakes you'll ever make in your life when you start to buy something is to look at it and say, I've got to have it. If you don't have the willpower to walk away from it, that means you should not buy it. Can I repeat that one again for you? If you don't have the willpower to walk away from it, that probably means you should not buy it. So if you can't say, oh, I can live without it, I'll, I'll make it. If you fall so much in love with something that you've got to have it, it's probably not good for you to have it right now.
Okay, statement number next. Okay, uh, uh, have, have all of your options before you. All of your options before you and consider all your options before making a final decision. Look at all your options. And by the way, uh, look at your statement number next. Look at all your obligations that are before you. Look at your obligations. What are your obligations? Well, keep the Lord first, tithe, give an offering, uh, pay your bills that you already have. Look at your obligations that you're already obligated to. So I'm saying this, uh, we, give, uh, we give to uh, uh, honor and, and glory to God when we do things right. Statement number next, um, uh, we give to prove God. Now, in giving to God, there is a Bible verse that uses the word to prove him, to prove him. Uh, you know, the Bible says here in Malachi chapter 3 and verse 8, the Bible says, will a man rob God? Uh, ye have robbed me, but ye say, wherein have we robbed thee? And the Bible comes back as God answers and tithes and offerings. Now, wait a minute. There's a curse, but there's also a blessing. Look at verse 9, Malachi chapter 3 and verse 9. The Bible says, uh, uh, you're cursed with a curse, for ye have robbed me, even this whole nation. That never used to make sense to me when I read it years ago as a young, young Christian. It never made sense to me whatsoever. But when a, when a person robs, if you would please, uh, God, then there's not the funds to be able to advance in the New Testament time and in our time the cause of Christ. So example, uh, when a person robs God and the finances are not in there, then there's a missionary that needs uh, help that cannot get it. There's gospel tracts that need help. There's buses, etc. Malachi chapter 3 and verse 10, the Bible says, Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there be me meat in mine house, and prove me now therewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there should not be room enough to receive it. All right? And so God says this, when we do it, his way, he said, I will give you blessings so great that you'll not be able to receive them. All right, so what do we do? Uh, we give to honor and to glorify God. We give to honor and to glorify God. We give to prove God. You ready? Uh, we give in obedience uh, to prove our love. Uh, one thing to prove God, it's another thing to prove our love. I got home last night. We went out with a college and career. Uh, Dr. Bachman and his staff uh, put together a, a wonderful trip for our young people to be able to go out and, and just have a wonderful time together. And so they had a Valentine's banquet uh, over at the Olive Garden. And so uh, I got home last night and, and, uh, and I, I told my wife, I said, boy, I forgot. I'm so sorry I had this uh, to give you. And I, I really wanted to give it to her at the Valentine's banquet. But I went out and I bought her a very, very nice necklace. And so uh, I wanted to give it in such a romantic way, you know. I mean, uh, you know, the lights were not bright and the food was just uh, gourmet and it was just so good and we were in good company and, and it was just a pleasurable time together and I wanted to look deep into her eyes and say, honey, I love you beyond compare and, and put some splendorous words in there and present it to her in such a way that she would really, really like it and would sit there uh, goo-goo eyes and, you know, with a big smile and just, uh, just, you know, melt in my hands and stuff like that, but I forgot it. 
And so I got home, and when I got home, I remembered, oh, you know, and, and it's a very nice necklace. I mean, I saved up money for it, and I bought it, and I wanted to, and, and, but when I forgot, and I got home, and, and then, you know, there, the lights was not, we don't have dim lights at our house, you know, and, 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 and you know, uh, we're, we're, we bought another house, and we got boxes everywhere, and, and I had some of the kids come over last night and said, hey, come help us, and, and so they came over last night and we're still packing boxes and all this other stuff. And so finally I remembered, I remembered. I, I'd remembered several times when I was supposed to do it and then I forgot. And then I got home and got all uh, in the mess of uh, boxing and stuff like that. So I waited till the kiddos left. And I said this, I said, honey, happy Valentine's Day. I wanted to give you this. And she said, oh, you shouldn't have. And I felt like saying I almost didn't. <laughs> You know, because of the fact that I just forgot. Now, may I say this, uh, love those who's important to you. And we understand this, that God ought to be important to us. You know, even the scribes and the Pharisees paid the tithe. Did you know that? Here's what it says in the, uh, in the, in the book of Matthew, chapter 23, and verse 23. It says, woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. He says, for ye pay the tithe, the mint, and the nice, it says in sin. And then it goes on, and it says, and yeah, uh, it says, omitted the weighty matters, it says, of the law, judgment, mercy, uh, faith. It says, these ought ye have done, uh, but not to leave the other undone. Now, notice in what they have done. Here's what he says here. He says to the scribes and to the Pharisees and to the hypocrites, he says, ye pay the tithe. All right, now here's people that I really believe were not saved. These were not Christians but yet they paid the tithe. You say, well, why does people do that? I'll tell you why. Because uh, 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 the earth is the Lord's. Stay with that. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. You don't own this earth. God owns this earth. You know what that means? That means the air you're breathing right now belongs to God. That means that uh, uh, the chair that you're sitting in, the pew that you're sitting in right now, that belongs to God. When you go outside and you walk on God's green grass, that belongs to Him. When you look up into the starry night and you see the stars, they belong to God. When you are driving down the highway and you look over and you see the green forest, that belongs to God. When you see those that's roaming the hillside, the animals that would be there, uh, they belong to God. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Now, that's how come I believe this. Now, you can believe what you want to believe, but I believe this. I believe that every creature saved or lost all the time. Uh, you're paying rent money, my dear friend. Now, may I say this? The Bible says in John chapter 14 and verse 15, the Bible says, if you love me, keep my commandments. All right? And so uh, we give an obedience to prove our love. I gave an obedience to prove my love to my dear wife last night. Now, it wasn't the way I wanted it to be, but at least I did it. And I've seen people that give and they don't want to give. It's not the way they want it. I mean, they make a face when they give. They look like they swallowed a pill that was a sour pill. And it's so funny. You know, you can look at life in so many different ways, can't you? Uh, Brother Yao, chairman of our deacon board, went soul winning with me yesterday. We had a good time together, but one of the things that we did is we went up to see Brother and Mrs. Adams in the hospital.
We go to the hospital, Sunnyvale Hospital, where she is in the hospital, Peggy's in the hospital, and so we went by to see them. We walked into the room, and Brother Adams is laying in the bed, and Mrs. Adams is sitting in the chair. I said, there's something wrong about this picture. I thought you were the one that was supposed to be sick, and he said, well, yeah, but I need my rest. You know, but we had a good time of fellowship, just had a sweet time of fellowship, and we enjoyed spending time together, enjoyed encouraging each other, enjoyed helping each other. He even sang me a song, and he sounded pretty good laying down. Now, may I say this? May I say, uh, when, when you give an obedience, you give an obedience to prove your love. You know, you give things to people because you love them, because you care about them. Statement number next, uh, we give, look, listen to this, we give to bless others. We give to bless others. Our missions conference is right around the corner. We're going to ask you, uh, I think it's on a Thursday night of the missions conference. And by the way, if you don't have it down in your calendar, I want you to put it in your calendar. Uh, it starts on a Wednesday night next week. Uh, so it's Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, uh, Sunday. starts the 19th. And uh, put it down on your calendar and come. You say, well, preacher, I only come Sunday morning. Okay, change your bad habit and come. <laughs> Come, come Sunday morning, yes, but add to it. Come on Wednesday night. Come on Thursday night when we have a conference and the missionaries are going to be here and, and, and encourage them. Stop living for yourself and encourage them. Uh, come and love them and come and be close to them and, and, uh, and come and get to know them. You say, I've never seen a real live missionary before. That's a pretty good time to re meet a real live missionary. They are real. They talk. They breathe. They walk. They're not superhuman. Sometimes I think that people think that uh, missionaries and preachers and Sunday school teachers and uh, deacons, and uh, they're superhuman. No, they're not superhuman. If you cut them, they'll bleed. If you hurt them, they'll cry. Now, can I tell you what? We understand this. We understand in the scriptures that uh, here we have an opportunity. And I want you to look at the opportunity. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 15. The Bible says now, uh, watch it now. Here it's talking about those in Philippi. Now, uh, ye Philippians, but watch what it says uh, there uh, in, in Philippians. Now it says, uh, ye Philippians, it says, uh, know also. Now know also what? Well, know also in everything that you know about the Bible. Know also in everything that you practice about a Bible truth. He says, know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from uh, Macedonia, the Bible says, no church communicated with me as concerning the giving and receiving, but ye only. Now, isn't that sad? I would hate that a missionary would face that here. You know, that the only church in the world that ever communicated with me, that word communicated means shared. All right? I would hate for a missionary to come to our church and say, well, the only church that ever communicated with me was Parkside Baptist Church. I think that would be a very, very poor testimony. I, I think we ought to communicate. Communicate what, preacher? Communicate that you love them. Communicate that you're for them. Communicate that you're going to uh, be able to pray for them and, and be able to stand behind them. Uh, verse 16 of chapter 4, Philippians, the Bible says, For even it says in Thessalonica, it says, Ye sent once and again unto my necessity. He said, I wasn't even here. Sounds like a traveling missionary, doesn't it? I was, I was someplace else, and you sent to me. You sent 
to me. Uh, that's what we do with our mission support. When you take a missionary on, here's what takes place. We send to them. They get a monthly check in the mail because of your sacrificial giving that helps them to be able to survive on the mission field. Now, I'm going to say this. Everybody should be involved in that which is missions giving. Everybody should. You say, why? Because everybody ought to love somebody that's not themselves and ought to love somebody enough to give them the gospel no matter where they are. You know, a missionary goes places you could never go. You know, we partner together with missionaries. Okay, example, remember where you're going. Japan, stand up, if you will. Mexico, stand up, if you will. Uh, uh, Australia, stand up, if you will. Okay, now wait a minute. Here I am. I'm a Parkside Baptist Church member, but I've got a burden for all these countries. Here's my problem. I can't go to them. I, I came to an understanding in my life as an evangelist that there's no way that I could go to all the countries I had a burden for. And when I became a pastor at Parkside Baptist Church, one of the things that I prayed for earnestly is that God would raise up men. God would raise up men uh, that would help to bear the burden. It was a tremendous delight to my soul when Denton Bell called me up one day and he said, Preacher, he said, I'd like to come, move back, and, uh, and help you with your burden uh, to reach people with the gospel around the world. Can I tell you, that was a delight to me. Now, why? Because that's exactly what I prayed for. And I'm praying that God will raise up men and uh, ladies that have a burden for the world to be able to send out teams and uh, be able to reach the world with the gospel. Uh, Parkside Baptist Church is not supposed to only reach Mesquite with the gospel. We're not just supposed to reach the Dallas Metro with the gospel. Uh, we're supposed to help to reach the world with the gospel. I, you didn't get that one. You didn't say amen. I said, we're supposed to help to reach the, here it comes, the world with the gospel. Amen. Now you can have a part of that. How can you have a part of that? You have a part of that, not necessarily by jumping from one field to another field, but partner with a missionary that our church supports, that we, that we vet, that we know is worth supporting. And, uh, and, and we do our due diligence on these missionaries. And, and we're not going to take a missionary on unless they're worthy of support. We're not going to take a missionary on uh, that's going to go out and represent our Lord in an ill fashion. But we're going to try to vet the missionaries to know exactly Exactly uh, where uh, they're going to be and how they're going to stand and if they're going to give the gospel out. All right. So I, I, I can't go to Japan. Can't do it. So what happens is I, I partner with a missionary. Then he goes to Japan. That's where he goes. Now I'm winning souls here. What do I expect him to do? Win souls there. We partnered together. I'm not expecting him to go over there and take a vacation. I'm expecting him to go over there and work for God. Amen. I'm expecting him to put in much as much time as I'm putting in and trying to lead people to Christ and help people and disciple people. Uh, Australia, right? Okay. I, I can't fly over to Australia, but uh, uh, so what I do, I, I invest in him and he goes Mexico, right? And so back up there. And so I can't go there. There's no way. You said, well, don't you have a burden for the world? I've got a tremendous burden for the world. I had a tremendous burden from the for the world before I ever met you. Coming to Parkside Baptist Church did not give me a burden for the world. I had a burden for the world before you ever came into my life. But I can't do it all. And you can't do it all. 
There's no way that I could say, okay, I'm going to go over to Japan, and I'm going to board a plane. I'm going to go to Japan. I'm going to get off the plane as quick as I can, run around, give the gospel out, board it before the afternoon hits, go down to Mexico, and uh, uh, give the gospel out, board it before the evening time hits, and then I'm going to uh, fly over to Australia, and I'm going to get out of the plane and give the gospel out till midnight, and then I'll be done for the day, and I'll start the routine over tomorrow. Can't do it. Impossible insane but what I can do is this I can partner with a missionary I can say look I don't have much but I can give what I have and I can help a little boy uh, that's in Australia I can help uh, 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 a senior adult that's in Mexico uh, I can help somebody uh, that's an educated engineer that's over in Japan I can help anybody and because they're going and I'm going and guess what I get fruit that's going to abound to my account simply because I did my part Thank you. Be seated, if you will. Watch this, if you will. And so it's a blessing uh, as, as we give uh, to others. We give to bless others, to bless others. You know, and as we partner with missionaries, the Bible says in verse 18, listen to it, just the portion of it. The Bible says a sacrifice acceptable and well-pleasing to God. Now, by the way, uh, don't do something that you're not led of God to do. I tell people all the time, I've said this before, I take people to the mission field and they get emotional about the mission field and, and then they'll make a decision based on their emotions about that field and then I've seen this happen and they'll go out and they'll raise deputational funds and then they get to the field and after they get to the field, here's what they say, I made a mistake. Shouldn't have been here. Made a mistake. You know why? Here's what they did. They made a decision based on emotions. I teach people all the time. You never make decisions based on emotions. You simply do not do it. You buy a car based on emotions. When you get home and all of a sudden the first bill comes in, you're going to begin to question, why did I buy that thing? Oh, don't, don't get mad at me when I say this and don't divorce your wife. But I'm being honest. I have seen people that get married based on emotions and then they wind up not liking each other. I didn't say loving, and it's far past that. Not even liking each other and their marriage is a wreck all the years that they stay together because they get married based on emotions. Uh, here's what I say. Pray about it now what God would have you to do. That's why we pass out those cards for you to pray about now. Pray about now what God would have you to do. Uh, when the missionaries come, hopefully you've already got the peace of the Lord as to the direction God would have you to go. You've done evaluation and you know exactly what you could sacrifice. Watch this, if you will. Uh, how is it that I can be able uh, to give to others? I'm going to give you three ways to be able to give to others as far as the Lord is concerned. There's that which is the tithe. There's that which is the offering. And there's that which is faith, promise, giving. Statement number one, there's the, there's the tithe. Now, in the New Testament, the tithe is mentioned several times. I read just a moment ago about the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the hypocrites. Let me read you another one. Uh, uh, Luke chapter 11 and verse 42, the Bible says, And woe unto you, it says, you Pharisees. For it says, you tithe and rue. And it says, in all matter of herbs, and pass over the judgment. And it says, and the love of God, these ought to be done. 
and not the other undone. So it's the same principle we read just a few minutes ago in the book of Matthew. He says, you know, don't undo this. Don't undo this. You ought to do this. Uh, Luke chapter 18 in verse uh, 12, he says, I fast. Uh, it says uh, in uh, the week. He says, I fast twice in the week and I give tithes. It says of all my possessions or all uh, my uh, uh, possesses that I have. All right, now what's he talking about? Here's a Pharisee. He said, I'm doing this. Now, if a Pharisee uh, should do it, should not a Christian do it? Should not a Christian be more obedient, if you will? You know your Bible. So there's the tithe. Ready? There's the offerings. There's the offerings. In the Old Testament, there was four basic offerings. There was the burnt offering uh, that a person was supposed to give if they had evil thoughts or when they violated a vow. There's the sin offering that they were supposed to give, if you would please, uh, for committing a sin of ignorance. There's the trespass offering that they were supposed to give as a sin of uh, dishonesty or fraud. There was the peace offering that a person was supposed to give uh, when they gave an offering of thanksgiving. It was a free will offering and it was sealed with a vow. Okay, in the New Testament, you have several offerings. Uh, you have that which is called the offerings of alms. You see somebody, an offering of alms, all of a sudden stand up, Brother Butler. I see that Brother Butler has a need in his life, and I give an alms offering. What is that? That's a secret offering, if you will. I don't necessarily go up and hand it to him. But it's something that I do to help him. Statement number next, thank you. Uh, there's an offering of abundance. Abundance. When God abundantly blesses you, we're, we're getting ready uh, to, to in, in the very near future to sell our house because we're buying a, another house, all right? What will I do? I will figure up uh, the abundance that I've made off of the house and pay a tithe on it. You know why? Because that's an abundance that God has blessed me with. Here we go, Proverbs chapter 11 and verse 24. The Bible says, uh, there is that scattereth and yet increaseth. The Bible says there is that withholdeth more, it says, than is meat, but tendeth to poverty. Proverbs chapter 11 and verse 25, the Bible says, <laughs> it says, the, the liberal soul shall be made fat. Now that doesn't mean this. But it says, the liberal soul shall be made fat, and he that watereth shall be watered also again. All right, so what is that? That's an offering of abundance. There's the offering of want that you find in your New Testament. Uh, Luke chapter 21 and verse 4, the Bible says, in all these things, it says, of their abundance, it says, cast in the, of the offerings. But the Bible says, and she, it says, of her penury, the Bible says, hath cast in all the living that she had. She gave of her want. Of the words of her necessity. There's the offering of sacrifice in the New Testament. Mark chapter 14 and verse 3, the Bible says, And being Bethany, it says, of Simon and leper, it says, And he said it, meat. And then there came a woman, the Bible says, uh, with an alabaster box, and anointed, it says, uh, with spikener, and it says, very precious. And she break the box and pour it out on the head. All right? So there was that offering that was given, if you would please, of sacrifice. Then lastly, uh, there was the offering for the poor. Where you see somebody, it's poor. You ever do that? You ever do that? You ever do that? You ever do that? There's been many times I've watched our children in the Christian school, and when I see a child that uh, they, they keep wearing the same shoes and they've got holes in them. And I don't just have a burden for people that have holy shoes. I like for you to have holy living. 
But, uh, but you know, I, I've seen different ones. They have holes in their shoes or whatever. And so my wife and I would agree, let's do this. Let's go ahead and buy them a pair of shoes. And we do stuff to help people that might need help. You ever do that? You ever do that? And Kelly and Joy, they, 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 they uh, took us out. We went out on a double date just the other night. And they said, we've always been wanting to take you out. By the way, I wish you all would get that burden. Well, they took us out and said, have you ever been to Babes? I said, no, we've never been to Babes. Now, I married a babe, but I've never been to Babes. <laughs> and they said, well, you need to go if you've never been. And I said, well, I, we appreciate that. So then Kelly got sick, and, and maybe he got sick because he's thinking about taking us to Babes. I'm not really sure. But, but, uh, but anyway, it all worked out. And so later on, he got feeling better and stuff like that. And so we went out, never been there before, never been there before. But I can testify, I'm going back. I'm going back. All right. And uh, we went over there. We sat down. We had a wonderful meal, had a wonderful time of fellowship and things of that nature. Now, can I tell you there, uh, what were they doing? They were giving an offering to the poor. I'm just kidding. But, you know, that's an offering. That's an offering type. Okay, here we go. Ready? Last one. Uh, here it is. Faith promise. Faith promise. So I said there's two or three types of giving through the local church. There's that which is the tithe, there's that which is an offering, and then there's that which is faith promise. Over in the book of 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 8, the Bible says, And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Arise and get thee to Zarephath. The Bible says, Which belongeth unto Zidon. The Bible says, And dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. I was preaching years ago, and I was over in, uh, in uh, Alvarado, Texas. I was, in, I was back in the days when I was in evangelism, and, and I, we'd, preach, uh, we'd preach in a circle. Many times I'd preach for a guy, and he'd say, would you come back and preach for me again? And so we'd go back, and sometimes, and, and then we'd switch some people out because we just felt like you don't need us every year. Thank God for you, but uh, maybe let's skip a year, and I'll come be with you next year, but I'm going to go with this new brother, and so we would do stuff like that. But I was preaching over uh, at the Fundamental Baptist Church many years ago, Alvarado, Texas, and so I was preaching over. Brother Smith was the pastor at that time. They've had several pastors over the years, but Brother Smith was the pastor. He since has gone home to be with the Lord many years ago, and I was preaching there, and a lady came up to me. She she said, you know, last year, last year, God spoke to my heart. And she said this. She said, of course, we were uh, missionary evangelists and stuff. And so she said, God spoke to my heart and told me I was supposed to give you this. And I said, okay. And I opened it up. That was a large sum of money. I said, no, 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 no. I think you need to pray about that and, uh, and, and stuff. And she said, no, I've already talked to my pastor. And my pastor's okayed it. And so uh, to give you a direct offering. And I, I just want you to have it. And so uh, she said, let me tell you the story. She said that two years ago when you came through here, God God spoke to my heart to give something, and I didn't give it. Then he came the year before last, and God spoke to my heart to give it, and I didn't give it. She said, and God has rung me out for almost three years. She said, I am tired of God ringing me out. So would you please take this? All right? Now, uh, don't let God ring you out when it comes to a missions conference. You be willing to do whatever God wants you to do. Have an open heart. You be open about how God could be able. You say, well, what's going to happen if I give? Let me give you this, and I'm done. Last verse. Luke chapter 6 and verse 38. The Bible says, given it shall be given unto you good measure, pressed down, shaken together, 
running over, shall men give into your bosom. Now you're giving on to God, but here's what happens when you give on to God. God uses men to give on to you. That's God's plan. The Bible says, for with the same measure, it says that ye meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. You've heard uh, Dr. House say this. That's where I picked it up, by the way. Uh, Dr. House, in, when he preached our missions conference years ago, he said, if you give to God in a thimble, this verse is true. He said, God will give it back to you in a thimble. He's going to press it down. It's going to be running over, but you're only going to get a thimbleful. He said, if you give to God in a glass, God's going to keep his word. God is going to give it back to you. The same way that you measured it to him is the same way he's going to measure it to you. And he'll give it back to you in a glass. And it will be pressed down. And it will be running over. God's going to keep his word. But he is only going to measure it to you the same way you measured it to him. Now, he's going to give you more, but he's going to use the same measurement that you gave to him as the way he's going to measure it to you. Made perfect sense to me. You know, and so may I say that uh, we ought to ask God how we're supposed to give. And God is the one that will uh, press it down. When we lived in New York, I, I wrote my very first book. My, that's back when we had that Corolla typewriter. You remember that? And we used the white, the white, uh, uh, the white out strips. And you would have to type backwards to do the correct tape. And so I, I wrote our very first book back in the 1980s when we lived in Brooklyn, New York, and it was called Practical Helps for Personal Soul Winners. We were training soul winners back then as we do today, but we wrote a manuscript and we turned it into a book, Practical Help for Personal Soul Winners. Oh, I wanted it to be so good, but we didn't have a computer. And we used the Corolla typewriter in that small apartment living in Brooklyn. And I would dictate to my wife, and then I'd say, no, 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 that's not right. And, and then she would try to backspace and, you know, type over it. And then I'd try to do it again. No, 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 that's not what I want to say. And, and, and I kept trying and trying and trying and trying until we would wear those little strips out. And then we'd just take it and crumble it up and start all over again. I filled a basket full of that crumbled up paper. So much the so as I'd take my nine and a half to ten foot inch foot and I'd put it right inside of there. I'd crunch it down. When I'd crunch it down, I'd mess up again and just keep adding to it, keep adding to it. And finally, you couldn't crunch anymore, but it was overflowing. Now, can I tell you, that's exactly what God does. As you give, God will make sure that he gives back to you. That's his word. You can trust his Bible. You might not can trust every man that breathes, but you can trust God's word. And so what does he do? Here's what he does. Uh, he says, what I'm going to do is I'm going to give it back to you the same, in the same measurement that you gave to me. I'm going to give it back to you, but I'm going to press it down, and I'm going to allow it to run over. Uh, that's how he blesses. You choose if it's a thimble. You choose if it's a cup. You choose if it's a five-gallon uh, bucket. You choose if it's a 50-gallon uh, uh, type of uh, barrel. You choose if it's a dump truck. You choose if it's a 14-story building. You choose. And God says, I'll keep my word. And by the way, God's always kept his word. He said, I'll keep my word. And God will always do that. But we have to decide how much faith we have in the giving process whereby God keeps his word.